I can't tell you how thankful I am for all of the recommendations I receive. You know, I ask for suggestions about women to interview on the show, and you respond with exceptional women and exceptional stories. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. Today's story was suggested by a guy named Paul, who has spent his career as a skating rink manager. In 2016, the World Figure Skating Championships were held in Boston, and his rink, the Stephen Storetti Rink in Boston's historic North End, was used in conjunction with the Fleet Center, now known forevermore as the Boston Garden. For the elite competition, it was there that he met today's guest. In his note, he said, quote, she's the daughter of Olympic figure skating gold medalist Tenley Albright, and she has spent her life on the ice, not in her mother's shadow, but in her own light, crafting her own skating story. If you interview her, Candy, you will hit a grand slam. Well, you got my attention, Paul, so let's get right to it. Her name is Elin Shran, and this is her story. Elin, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here, Candy, and I'm thrilled to meet you. You started skating when you were only about two years old, and that love of skating remains to this day. What is it about the act of skating, of gliding, of twirling on the ice that you love so much? It's always been a source of joy and freedom and that feeling of flying that I think everybody who tries skating discovers when they glide and get to just move across the ice with incredible freedom and ease because there's just less gravity, less friction when you're on the ice. Was there an expectation as the daughter of an Olympic champion that you would skate or become a champion? Not from my mother. My mother went on to become a surgeon after she finished her skating career, and she's always looking forward. So she was delighted that I enjoyed skating, but there was zero pressure on me to achieve any certain level of competitive success. She did bring me and my sisters to the ice to play, and she supported all my competitive endeavors and my professional show career. So you have two sisters. Did they embrace figure skating in the same way that you did? They're both very talented skaters and athletes their whole lives, but I was the only one that really got bitten by the bug. Your mother's success story as a world champion figure skater is really iconic. She grew up outside of Boston, skating on a homemade rink in her backyard, and begged her parents for lessons. Tell us that story. Well, she started training skating after she recovered from having polio and had been partially paralyzed as a child. And they thought that a way for her to regain muscle strength but not be too close to other children would be to return to the ice. And so she came back to skating and was just thrilled to be able to move. She wasn't trying to win or beat anybody. She just was so delighted to be able to move her body in all these wonderful ways. You know, polio was just something that struck so many children in the United States and around the world. And for so many children, it was a death sentence or it was they would end up being paralyzed. And I know that she was isolated for quite a few months when yeah. she had polio. Tell us about that. Yeah, she was isolated for two or three months, I believe, in the hospital and her family could visit by putting a ladder up against the outside of the hospital and climbing up to wave through the window. They didn't know how polio was communicated then and so people were very nervous to get near to her. In fact, she had to have a spinal tap and she was scared. She saw how big the needle was and asked if someone could hold her hand and nobody stepped forward. And finally, one young doctor came forward and I know that 
she wishes so much that she could find this person and thank him for coming forward and really risking his own life for her to help her through that. And she became a very compassionate doctor and surgeon herself, as well as her father and her brother. And they all developed this incredible bedside manner and really understanding how compassion leads to better care and better health. Within five months after her release from the hospital, she was back on the ice and she was winning incredible competitions. And her track record is simply unbelievable. But I think I read somewhere, or maybe you mentioned it when we first were getting to know one another, that your mom, even as a child, used visualization. When she was in the hospital, paralyzed with polio, they told her that they were going to have her try to take a few steps. And so she spent her time lying in bed, imagining what walking might feel like and imagining being able to do this seemingly impossible thing. And then when we fast forward to when she was 20 years old, having won the silver medal at the Olympics at 16, now at 20, she was going to Cortina, Italy to compete again. And the morning of one of her practices, she fell and the heel of her left blade went to her right ankle all the way to the bone. This was 10 days before the competition. So she stayed in her hotel room and stayed off of her foot and went back to visualizing, doing something seemingly impossible again. And she practiced in her own mind, her program, and the day of the competition, she got on the ice. Her foot was sore, but she knew she could do it. And she started skating, and the stadium of people started humming her music with her. And she skated a perfect program and won the gold for America. (laughs) Well, that's what you call persistence. And that's what you call having a vision and seeing your success, manifesting it, right? Yes. Before it even happens. She would go on to win nationals five years in a row, 1952 through 1956. She would win worlds in 53 and 55, silver in Oslo, gold in Italy in 1956 at the Olympic Games. You know, many skaters go on to professional skating, right? Mm -hmm. But she decided, you know, she wanted to become a doctor. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, she was one of very few women at Harvard Medical School, graduated in 1961 from that class. I think five women started and three finished. And she became a surgeon and worked in practice with her father and brother for quite some time and then has gone on to found the MIT Collaborative Initiatives, which develops global wellness programs and reaching out and revising healthcare and the way that problems are approached. Well, looking at her, what they call CV is just a little bit <laughs> many overwhelming. Pages long. Many, many, many pages <laughs> long. And that brings me to my next question because when you have a mom like this, who is obviously a role model in your life. You know, the number one question whenever I ask people, who was your role model growing up? They always say, mom. That's right. (laughs) And I'm sure it would be the same answer for you and maybe some more people. And we can get to that. How do you tell your own story when your mom was America's sweetheart when she came home with that gold medal and it was televised? So she was the sweetheart of the world. How do you make your own way? And did she help you do that? She is so positive and so supportive. And I was lucky enough to skate in Dorothy Hamill's Ice Capades and the Cinderella Frozen in Time tour, which was a dream job. And my mother would come and visit when we were on tour and she would come backstage and her jaw would drop and she would say, oh, I don't know how you skaters do this and to skate in these costumes and to skate two shows a day. And we're all looking at her like, lady, you won the Olympics. But she'd never done what we were doing. And to her, what we were 
working on and achieving was equally as important in her mind as what she had worked on and achieved. So she has this ability to really remind you that what your goal is and what your dream is is as important as anybody else's. I have in my notes that there was a moment for you in your career where you performed for your mother as a tribute in front of Dick Button and Dorothy Hamill. Talk about that. <laughs> that was an amazing moment for me. My mother is being honored by the Ice Leader of New York, which is a fabulous company, and they do an annual gala. And my mom was being honored this year. I think it was 2016. And they asked if I wanted to do something as part of the performance for her. And so I took her Olympic music and I tried my very best to recreate some of her footwork sequences, but they were so complicated and difficult. I really couldn't do them properly. So I sort of reinvented a, a version that I could do, and I called the piece Gratitude. And I was able to perform for her and to show her that what she's given me, this gift of a love of skating and a joy of skating, means I might even start to cry talking about it, but it just has meant so much. And yes, Dick Button and Dorothy Hamill and JoJo Starbuck and like every single no other pressure. skating idol that I've ever had and choreographers were there in the audience and they were so supportive and cheering me on. What did she say? She couldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> when She's we make cute. our mothers speechless, it's usually pretty good. Yeah. Let's talk about what you've been doing with your career because as I said in the very beginning, she shone such a bright light, but you've created your own light in the work that you've done and your love of skating. Let's first talk about the fact that you're the founder of the Boston Ice Theater. Well, that was my very first ensemble group back in 2001. I had a three-month-old colicky baby, and I still loved performing and skating but couldn't tour didn't want to travel with a baby. And I was so overtired, I think, that it was a blessing because I didn't stop to think about all the reasons that it would be difficult to start this first ensemble company. And we were able to actually perform a tribute performance for the 1961 world team that perished in a plane crash at the opening ceremonies of nationals in 2001 at the Fleet Center. You're also the co-founder of Frozen Frog Productions, and I hear that what you bring is lots of wow to the ice. Talk about that. That was a very fun company to be part of. My partner, Leanne Ruffley, was actually the person who hired us to come into the opening ceremonies for that national championships. And when we met, we just loved working together, and so we did a lot of projects together and then formalized our company in 2004. And that lasted up until just about 2018. And now we come to a source of great joy for you, and joy is the pivotal word. You want to share your love with others through Joy Skate Productions. Tell us about the mission. Tell us all about the program. Joy Skate Productions is committed to making the joy of skating accessible to everybody. We've got a lot of work to do, but we really want to provide workshops and classes and shows at low or no cost. Our shows our annual local shows at the Kendall Square Rink Outdoors and the Outdoor Rink in Fenway neighborhood are free to the public and family-friendly and high energy and tons of fun. And I'm so lucky to have wonderfully talented professional skater friends who come and perform for us at these outdoor shows. There's also, I was reading all about it, uh, There's, it's almost like a yoga experience. Tell me I have little... a, a class that I created called oh. Ice Flow, and it's a, a way to sort of bring some yoga theory. I'm not a yoga teacher, 
but I've always loved the way that yoga combines movement and breath. And so this was an interesting idea to see what happens if you actually focus on breathing and being in the moment when you're skating instead of trying to be perfect or land a jump properly. So I created a, a class with a curriculum and it's about being on the ice and enjoying where you are and what you are. And it's for every level of skater, beginner to professional. The joy of teaching, passing it yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Your whole face lights up. What do you get out of that? So I just came back from teaching at a series of adult skating camps. And I just love teaching, especially adult skaters. Being able to share the joy and love that you have for something with somebody else who feels the same way is pure magic. There's just nothing like it. And actually, Randy Gardner who was the world champion pair skater, Ty and Randy. We are co-producing a skating camp for adults at the new Skating Club of Boston in Norwood this summer. So, so exciting. We have Nancy Kerrigan as one of our coaches coming in. And we have wow. a, a lot of fun surprises in store for our campers. So if people want to learn more about that and get involved, where do they go? They can find us on our website at joyskateproductions.com. Skating, like gymnastics, is an expensive sport. And many children who want to skate, they long for it. They may not just come from the financial circumstances that allow them to take skating lessons. And I think that's part of what Joy Skate Productions is all about. We are aiming to provide more affordable classes. It's very challenging because the ice costs are expensive for us, but we've been really lucky to be able to partner with great companies and corporations. And these outdoor rinks provide great outdoor classes that are lower or even free. So we try to partner with people like that. Our childhood shapes and molds us. And we've talked an awful lot about your mom and skating. Tell us about what life was like, though, inside your house, you and your sisters. What was the message about what matters most? Just share the vibe with us. I was a very, very active child. I was always like jumping out of trees or climbing on the roof or something. And my mom was encouraging about that. She wasn't worried about me. That was really helpful because it helped me feel confident with my body and growing strong and developing more coordination. My parents got divorced when I was very young. So there was this house full of women, my mom and my sisters and me. Was there a golden rule in your house? There was an expectation that we would be respectful and kind to people. There was definitely a sense that you treat people equally. Nobody's going to be better than somebody else or things like that. It wasn't exactly spoken rule. It was just my mother's example, you know, that being with her um, and we, we saw her strong example of the way that she moved through the world and with people. I think that's sort of how that message came through yeah. to us. And when you have a mom who is a general surgeon and she's on call all the time, the phone is always ringing, she's always needed. There's a lot of responsibility that comes along because she can't be there sometimes. She was so smart. She arranged that she could be home when we got home from school. When we would go out and play with friends, she would go back to the hospital. So it felt like she was there. And she actually would give her patients her private home number and said, call me anytime. And she said that just doing that, that she only got called a few times, but they knew that they would be heard by her. Where did you go to college and did you know what you wanted to do with your life? I started at McGill University in Montreal. My oldest daughter just graduated from there. So that was exciting. And I finished at UMass Boston and I got my degree in English literature. And then I went back to UMass Boston and got a master's in critical and creative thinking. Interesting. How did your critical thinking, your English degree, how did they serve you? 
just being able to communicate visions in my mind and things that I wanted to see happening and being able to explain and express to people what help I needed and what role I would like them to fill to help me reach this goal, because it definitely takes a village for any of these things to happen. And then my master's degree, um, you know, I wrote a thesis about the importance of play and creative play when learning skating and did a lot of research into dance therapy and things like that and art therapy. And that helped me develop my company because I did some creative skating workshops. And then from those, I saw that there were these movement possibilities that felt so good to do. And I saw the joy in the people from beginner to professional when they were creating something that was unexpected or with another person or people, that there was something that lighted everybody up. Yes. And so that was where the dream of the ensemble skating came from initially. Well, you mentioned your daughter just graduated from college. Congratulations. How did motherhood change you? Boy, you know, when you become a parent, they say you just your heart is now on the outside of you. And you also have to become so strong. And I think that parenthood really deepens your awareness of how those two things exist in you in balance. We are always ready to do whatever we need to do. And at the same time, we know that we are vulnerable to any hurt or pain or we feel the child's pain. My kids are such awesome people. They're so fun to be with and they're so wonderful with each other that I just kind of sit back and watch and I learn from them every single day. Well, when you see a beautiful relationship between your children, you know you must have done something (laughs) right. When you thought they weren't listening, they really were. The biggest killer of confidence is fear. How do you build up the confidence of those you work with at Joyscape Productions? Well, one thing that we talk about, even for the professional skaters, before we go out on the ice for the show, we have a little circle. And I remind them that our shows are an opportunity to help give somebody a break from stress that they might be feeling in their lives or worries they might be having, and that sharing a gift isn't about having it being wrapped perfectly. So it doesn't really matter to me as the director if the numbers don't go as exactly as planned. But if they are really focusing on what they're giving to the other person, the kindness that can exist in that kind of art and communication, then that's what's important. Do you skate how often? (laughs) I stopped performing two years ago, but now I'm actually going to be performing again in July in St. Louis. I've been cast as Cousin Tilly for It's a Wonderful Life on Ice. Are you excited? I am so excited. I want to buy a ticket. I want to go see it immediately. (laughs) How exciting, Elin. I'm so excited. I'm going to be skating with pretty impressive people like Jimmy Ma and Adam Blake and I'm starting to work out again, get my, my stamina back, because these are young, brilliant artists. I'm in awe of them all. Well, I'll I'm trying to guess they, they might be in awe of you, too. <laughs> does your mom still skate? She doesn't. You know, it's frustrating. If you can't skate all the time, it's kind of frustrating because you can't do the things that used to be natural. And having to think before you do a jump or a spin is frustrating. So she likes to come and be as close to the ice as possible. And she loves hearing the sounds of the ice. And she understands, she says skaters take her out there with them. So she enjoys that. Next couple questions, we ask everyone who sits where you are today. And thank you again so much, Elin, for coming in and talking to me today and sharing your beautiful story. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I've always been kind of a, an impulsive, stubborn, pushy person and an optimist. So I have trouble believing that something's really an obstacle. 
I get curious. I get more determined. I get more um, interested in like who else might know more about this than me and how can I reach out to them. I don't really think about obstacles. If there's a wall, you get up on top of it and start dancing. (laughs) Best piece of advice you've ever received, and this can be personal or professional. Can you share that with our audience today? First thing that just popped into my mind is my grandfather would always say, if you have a question, wait a few minutes and see if it's answered (laughs) before you ask it. And then the other advice, my mom raised us, you know, when we wanted something to happen or we thought about something that we wanted to achieve, she would say, just put it out in the ether. And that was sort of her way of saying, just let it be, visualize it, see it, and and it's going to happen. So it worked pretty well for her. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Final question, Elon, at this moment in this chapter of your life, as you're getting ready to perform again in July, what does success mean to you? Success means connection, support of others, reaching out, really trying to uplift other people. I mean, what you're doing with your stories and supporting other women and and their dreams and goals is so exciting to me. And you're a role model for all of us. So that is the goal is to just like develop a way for people to feel more connected and supported by one another and to trust and respect themselves. I want to say thank you so much, Elin Shran, for being our guest this week on the story behind her success. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such an honor. My thanks as well to Paul Amoroso for his suggestion that I interview Elin for the show. Great suggestion, Paul. I'm so glad that I did. What a story. If you'd like to find out more about what Elin's up to, just go to joyskateproductions.com. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile, so if you have someone in mind, would you please tell me about her? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Give the show a follow on your favorite podcast platform, and please tell your friends and your family about the show. Leave a review if you'd be so kind. I will have a new inspiring story for you next week. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap toward success. So here's my question. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.